Welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is OSHA has entered the chat. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported us so far. If you've got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by, search, by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us. Keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. Also, if you haven't already, go check us out on TikTok at murdycreative.co. We're doing more videos about behind the scenes, and I'm cross-posting them to Instagram at the moment, but we're working on kind of developing that platform for potentially, you know, future use. So, after much, much work, lots of money, time, effort, complexity, and delays, the press is finally operational. Tuesday was the first day we were able to get the press fully operational, functioning, and it's been an excellent, excellent tool already. We are hoping to be able to use that to eliminate an entire you know, additional concern that we were having for being behind this Christmas. I think it's, we're a little bit behind right now just because of the nature of us kind of getting back into the groove of things and we had some people on vacation. But the hope is that we actually will be going into Christmas even faster than we've ever been before with both a fifth engraver, which is also up today, and the new press fully operational. Some things about that press. It required quite a bit of creativity from an electrical standpoint. But I will say, the 27-ton press that we had purchased, it's a, a one ton in weight. It's 27 tons in pressure that it can generate. That press is designed to run at three and a half horsepower or three four horsepower basically on three phase power, 220 volt, three phase power. It is currently through a convoluted series of variable frequency devices, anti harmonic feedback prevention devices, three phase motors, all of these different you know, tools. It is now safely and successfully running on the workshop's power which is, we believe, about 110 amps at single-phase power. Now, to make that happen required two different people. One was our electrician, and another was a friend of mine who is, actually works as a programmer for uh, ABB, the company that did the variable frequency device, and he uh, helped us engineer all of this solution to ensure that it was both safe, it was effective, we weren't going to see problems down the line. And I am very impressed with, with the way it was all set up. It's going to be excellent. And in the process of doing the work, there was a couple of things that got brought up. One of them being, obviously, you know, all of the, the safety compliance things. Now, OSHA has been in the news recently a lot. But I'm not going to talk about that part of the OSHA things. I'm going to talk about the more traditional OSHA problems and OSHA issues. As a company under nine, we do have to comply with OSHA regulations. This is, this is kind of a misnomer. People are always like, well, if you're under 10, you don't have to apply, comply with OSHA. Well, that's actually not true. You have to comply with OSHA, period, no matter what situation you're in. But if you're under 10 employees, you don't have to report injuries to OSHA. Now, that's an interesting kind of dilemma, dichotomy, because the point is this, is if you don't have to report injuries to OSHA, well, then technically... That's where people get the idea that you don't have to comply with OSHA. But no, you have to comply with OSHA at every level. And OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health, Hazard, 
health administration. Um, obviously, is is designed was the original intent of it was to prevent dangerous work environments. And this obviously came out of an era where you know factories would regularly cut off people's arms, machines were dangerous, loud noises, all of the usual things. Uh, and so the regulations were developed. Now, there's a lot of things about the idea of regulation and as, as a small business owner that are... Regulation is a complicated topic because there's two sides to it, of course. There is the reasonable, well-intentioned, well-meaning idea of regulation that we want as a society to create realistic and reasonable bounds and rules for the way individuals can act so that we can better improve the life and health of people, right? That makes perfect sense to me. However, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And frankly, I think the road to hell is only paved with good intentions because the problem with regulation is that oftentimes the regulations are so broad they're so, in some ways, aggressive in their design, and they're so immutable that they don't really, they are, it's, it's, it's like trying to, to do surgery with a hammer. It's not a very good way to do it, right? And on the flip side of it, and this is the other side of that coin, is sometimes the regulations can get so specific and so exacting and so complicated that it's trying to pound a nail in with a, a pin. It's so complicated that you're just, you can't possibly do it. You can't possibly comply. You can't possibly even understand it. And the beauty of OSHA, and I think this is actually a really important thing, is that it, it can do both simultaneously. It can both be too broad when it needs to be narrow, and it can be, both, and it can be very narrow when it needs to be more broad, right? So co complying with OSHA is an incredible expense. It's time-consuming. I brought on recently brought on an external HR person to help us from time to time, improve our HR compliance, develop benefits programs, all of the things that, you know, we are now needing as we are, grow into a more, you know, I call it an adult company, uh, as we deal with some more of those things, we need to, to be able to adapt to that environment. And the press brought, I, ironically, I was having this discussion about the, you know, workplace safety and complying with OSHA and working on developing procedures and protocols to do that with our HR person last week. And then this week, we got the press operational for the first time. And I realized, there was something else that we needed to add to our repertoire, and that's the fact that this press is very, very loud. Now, this adds a new dynamic of safety to the workshop that already has been, there's already multiple dynamics to the workshop safety. And I'll walk through them one by one. And this is kind of what we've been thinking about from a safety perspective, because obviously these are all elements of safety that we need to be aware of in the workshop, and as a small business, obviously, I need to be very aware of them and to deal with them well. And we've been working diligently, intentionally, and very, very, very actively to correct and to improve our safety systems all the time. So there's a couple of elements. First, we take the, the we have, for example, a hides, a box of hides can have five or six hides. Well, that's 50 or 60 pounds or more in some cases, sometimes less, sometimes more. Well, that means that we have to have Two people lift them. So it's a team lift to get the boxes from the shelf onto the cutting table, which is then they're unrolled and then they're individually rolled up as ones. So that's one area. Two. Then we have the hides rolled out. They have to be weighed and then they get rolled out and then we have to cut them. We have to lay out the stencils on them and then cut them. We cut them with exacto knives, box cutters, functionally, that we and we replace the blades constantly because they dull very quickly with leather. 
Well, that obviously means that we're dealing with extremely sharp knives. And the way, this is just the way it has to be done functionally, is when you lay out the hide with the knife, you have to hold the hide while you cut around the stencil. Well, that means that your hand is flat on the hide and you are cutting around, I mean, you're not cutting close to your hand, but you're cutting around the area that your hand would be potentially holding still. Well, that's a sharp knife. So one of the things we've had to do is we've had to get, um, I think it's A5. I, I, we've, we've been looking into what the, it's very, this is where OSHA's rules are a little less than helpful. Because OSHA broadly says, and this is perfectly fine, I have no problem with this, that if you're going to be in an environment where they're dealing with sharp knives or blades or other areas where you're likely to get cut, the people that need to wear gloves, cut-proof gloves, and they need to be, quote, appropriate, excellent. Well, that gets where it's challenging because the way that we rate cut-proof gloves is by pressure. And to be honest with you, that's a really complicated metric to understand because it's, there's a lot of elements to it. But moral of the story, we've been able to determine that Traditional box cutter blades, an A4 or A5 glove should be well and well enough protection, should not be dangerous. So we have to have now, we have to have cut-proof gloves that are used, worn by anybody cutting so that they don't cut their hands. Then we move over to the press. Now the press is in the same room as the cutting room. Well, that means that the press, which now is operating at a very loud level, when it's operating, people need to wear hearing protection. And this is where this question gets tricky. The way OSHA does hearing protection and noise levels is noise exposure at a certain rate. So, for example, and this is one of those areas where the diagram in the OSHA ruling and the words actually disagree with each other a little bit, and I think it's mostly just because the diagram was clearly made, like, in the 50s, and the words have obviously been updated since, in my opinion. OSHA requires that hearing protection be worn by individuals who are exposed to 85 decibels or more for eight hours or more. They require hearing protection for someone to be, who is being exposed to 60 or sorry, 90 decibels, I believe, for six hours or more, right? So as you go up in the decimal reading or decibel reading, hearing protection is required to be worn at a shortening time span, right? So the idea functionally is if you're going to be in 90 decibels of sound for less than an hour, you don't need hearing protection. Now, having been in the press room with that thing operating at 90 decibels, I can tell you you're going to want hearing protection, but what OSHA has determined is that you won't suffer permanent hearing damage from being in that loud noise for that short of time. So, we actually aren't running the press all the time right now because we just don't have cutting. If, if maybe if we had two cutters all the time cutting, we could potentially keep up with that press from a cutting perspective, but there's just not an easy. So the press doesn't run all the time. So theoretically, we're well and below the level of what would be required for hearing protection. However, like I said, you're going to, having stood in that room, you're going to want hearing protection. So we offer, we have very good hearing protection, you know, over the ear hearing protection. We allow and encourage individuals to wear inner earbuds and listen to the music or podcasts. That's totally acceptable and fine while they're doing that, as long as they're not endangering their safety. But they have to wear hearing protection over the top of that if they're going to do that. They also have to wear cut-proof gloves because they're going to be handling the dyes, which are very sharp because they're designed to cut leather, and they are interacting with the press. Obviously, the press producing that much pressure 
it'll it'll jellify your hand. If you get your hand caught in that press, it will turn it into it will crush every bone into a powder in your hand instantly. Well, won't even hesitate. Won't even make a loud noise. So the press, thankfully, has quite a few safety features built into it. One, and this is because of the nature of the press, and most presses are like this, it's a swing arm press. So the, the head of the press swings out of the way to allow you to put things on the table, then it swings back into place. It has a two-thumb handle. So there's a handle on either side, and you have to put your hands on both of those handles and press the buttons at the, same, at the top at the same time. Otherwise, the press head won't go down. Now, this is obviously designed so that you don't have a hand in the machine and try to operate it. You have to have both hands out of the machine to operate it. We've also set up um, some barriers so that you can't put your body up against it. Um, so you couldn't get caught in it that way. We're, we're setting up tape lines and things like that on the floor so that it, the idea is that the press cannot be operational with more than one person in the tape lines because theoretically the idea is that if you're outside the tape lines, you wouldn't be able to reach in and put your hand in the press. Right, so we're developing these kinds of safety techniques around the press. That's, so that's the press, right? Next, we move into the engraving room. Now, the engraving room has also noise, but I, I checked it. It's well below the levels. We are well below the levels. In the, in the engraving room, even though it's got a couple of machines running, even when the press is on and the door is closed, right? So when the press is on and the door is closed to the engraving room, which is what it should be normally, the sound level's below anything that would require hearing protection. So we're good there. The lasers obviously present a danger because they're lasers that are designed to engrave into leather. So they obviously could engrave into your skin. Uh, and there are videos, if you can dive into the internet, where you can literally watch Russians using the lasers that we are exactly using in our workshop to give themselves tattoos on their skin. And boy, does that seem terribly painful to me. And very difficult to hold still, at least still enough, for the laser to properly do that. But regardless, I digress. Anyway, so the lasers are incredibly dangerous in that regard. So there's some elements to safety, right? The, the lasers aren't on when the doors are open to the lasers. Obviously, they have dispersion of light. Lasers produce light. So we have eye protection that has specific laser filtering, you know, eye protection for when people, on the rare occasion that somebody needs to look into the machine, four of the five engravers don't have glass that's designed to filter it or the filtering is not good enough. So we have eye protection for them. The fifth engraver, the one that we just got actually, is brand, the brand new one, has special glass built into the, the hood that you can actually see through that is laser filtering itself, which seems like a great improvement to the product on the designer side for the manufacturers. So that one's good there. Obviously, when you're laser engraving something like leather, the smoke that it produces has got a lot of elements in it and a lot of bad stuff. So that's why we have an incredibly aggressive filtration system that works very well and it filters all of the particulates multiple times through multiple different layers to capture and you know sequester all of the uh, elements that would cause both danger to humans and pollution to that end though we obviously also have a meter a, a sensor that's prominently placed in the room that's designed specifically to track the various levels of all of the various elements in the air and we have safety protocols around to if the element you know if the Particulates arise above this, these safe thresholds, which are, once again, determined both by OSHA and by... Who's the governing body that does air quality? The EPA. Um, so we, we were able to see, using those regulations, we are able to say, okay, if the levels rise above these levels, they're not safe, you need to leave the room. At that point, obviously, we have respirators, and administrations, the administrators come in with respirators, 
and check to make sure that the filtration system is running properly, that the filters, if they need to get changed, or there's something in that regard that needs to be checked. Um, they are changed on a schedule, but you know, sometimes if we're doing a lot of volume, there can be they 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 can need to be changed more frequently. So we have that element of safety involved there. Then moving into the main area, thankfully, thankfully, in the main area of the assembly process, there's not that many things that can cause harm. Obviously, we've got the normal things in an office, scissors. Um, you know, there's small metal bits that, you know, are the assembly pieces for the hardware. So don't swallow those. Um, you know, all of the basic things like that. The only other element of potentially in the assembly area where there might be some area of OSHA, OSHA concern, and this is a, an area we've talked with people about, is there's some boxes, rarely, but there are some boxes that are over 50 pounds that do need a team lift. Uh, we have shelving units that are racking units, and they're properly secured, they're properly weighted, and all of the other good stuff. But for example, you know, we have, you know, inc we encourage people to educate people on it's like if they're tipping, run. Don't try to stop it. Uh, this is a good rule, I guess, in general. If it's whether it's a pallet, whether it's racking and shelves, whether it's anything like that, if the thing is tipping over, this is just good for you guys as well, little tip. If it's falling over, don't stop it from falling over. Get out of the way, period. That applies to everything. And I tell all of my team members that because if, for what I, let me put it this way, it's much easier to replace the things on the shelf. Even the machine, it's much cheaper and easier to replace those things than it is to replace you or, God forbid, your arm. My insurance professor once morbidly made the point that he, he did not say this. He did not say this in a way to encourage it, just as to inform us that if you run someone over, he said that it's much cheaper for them to be dead than for them to be injured. And that's an interesting point. But that's a point that I think is well, should be well taken by anybody who's in a, in a role of safety that encourage your people to be safe because it is very bad for people to be injured injuries can last forever they can last for a person's entire life and they can really be a problem so i tell all of my people if the shelf is falling if the machine's falling over for whatever reason and it should never do that but if it does run get out of the way that's always good advice so all in all when i started this business did i anticipate to have to think about all of these Safety things? Absolutely not. And does my job consist a lot of enforcing these safety things and coming up with them and checking that they're operating, working properly and making sure that everyone is aware of them and making sure that they're posted and that, yes, a lot more of my job than I had ever anticipated is around this. And from a business standpoint, does that, is that cost? Absolutely, that's cost. It costs us money to buy the safety equipment. It costs us money to maintain the safety equipment. It costs us money to maintain the filter systems and all of the sensors and technology that's used to monitor that. It takes time and compliance costs for us to maintain education for the employees and to ensure that they're complying themselves with it because it's very easy when someone walks out of the room to take off the gloves that you're supposed to be wearing. Or, to give people the benefit of the doubt, it's very easy when you take the gloves off to write something down or to operate your phone to forget to put them back on giving people the benefit of the doubt. That being said, I do think that these particular regulations, these particular aspects of safety are good common sense things. I don't necessarily feel like the cost is in any way, shape, or form burdensome. Do I like it? Not really. But a thing to remember is this. Even if OSHA didn't require this, I would still do this because it's very expensive to me to have employees hurt 
It's bad policy. These are also my friends and family members, and I don't want them to get hurt because I care about them and I care about my employees deeply. However, even if I didn't, it would just be bad business to, get, to create a situation where employees could get hurt. That's bad. So I think one of the areas when we talk about regulatory environments is that we need to create a, a proper balance and say, look, businesses that are going to do, that are, frankly, the businesses that are going to comply with this would have probably complied with it even if the rules didn't exist. Businesses that are going to protect the safety and health of their employees would probably do that even if the rules didn't exist because they are good people that care about their company. And companies that don't follow OSHA and don't follow the regulations don't necessarily get caught. And they wouldn't necessarily follow it. Even if the regulations, they wouldn't do it if the regulations didn't exist. And they aren't doing it even though the regulations do exist because, frankly, that's impossible to keep track of all of that stuff. So, for those of you looking at starting businesses, particularly if you're in manufacturing, but definitely not exclusively, every business in the world has to deal with this. Be aware that this is going to be one of those things that when you run your business, you're going to be like, I'm going to run my business and do all of the things I love doing. And the answer is no. When you run your business, you're going to do all of the things that nobody else has to do, and you're going to do it all. So that's the way it goes sometimes. So if any of you out there have good OSHA stories, either OSHA failures and things that didn't happen at your workplace, or you've got OSHA things that you think might be helpful for me to know, or you just got good stories about a good boss who was very good at complying with OSHA, mention it in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. Send us an email. I always love reading you know, people's thoughts and feedback on these kinds of things. It's always interesting to me. So, All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in Tuesday for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button as well as the notification bell to get notified when we launch new episodes. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, accessory, anything we sell, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murraycreative.co. You, you can contact us via email, direct message, all the usuals. We'll do our best to reach out to you as soon as possible. Uh, we do appreciate your patience, though. During Christmas especially, things get very, very busy. Um, our business hours for customer service have changed a little bit during Christmas. Um, we have our phone we have, you can call us, 414-434-9001. You can call or text that number. Our business hours for customer service has changed to 8 to 5 Central Time, available Monday through Friday. We're not going to be available on Thursday today because of Veterans Day, but otherwise we're available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., specifically because with Daylight Savings Time, we're moving uh, the workshop hours up a little bit so that can, the employees can spend a little more time in the sunshine in the cold Wisconsin winters. Um, which is unfortunate. Daylight savings time needs to disappear. Anyway, uh, you can also send us, uh, uh, leave us a voicemail if for whatever reason you call us that number, 414-434-9001, and uh, you can text that number, but if you call us and you don't get a hold of us either because it's outside of business hours or just because we're not able to answer during business hours for whatever reason, please leave us a voicemail. We will get back to you as soon as possible. We appreciate your patience on that. If you have an order question, like a specific order that you've placed and you want to you know, question about that, if you can include the order number, it should start with the number S. It should start with the letter S, and it should be a number after that. If you can include that, it does help us when we're looking to identify and figure out what order we're talking about. Some people just give us their names, and to be honest, sometimes the names are very similar to other people's names, and the spellings matter. So being able to have, uh, have that order number does help us triangulate that quickly. If you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow. Uh, both whatever podcast app uh, app you're listening on, a review there, but as well as the product itself. If you want to go to murdycreative.co slash reviews, you can read all of our amazing reviews there. 
there's also a button there that says leave a secret review. You click on that, it takes you to facebook.com slash marttycreative.co slash reviews. Click, do you recommend the Murty Creative Company? You click yes, you write your review. We love that. We read them. They're going up on the wall very shortly when I get 15 minutes to do so. Um, we read them out loud mostly to the employees. And we have an internal Discord chat that we use internally that I post the reviews to when we get them. So everyone loves that. If for whatever reason you would leave us a bad review, there's another button there that says get directly in contact with us. Please, 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 before you leave us a bad review, get us an opportunity to make things right. It is personally important to me that everyone has a good experience with the company we will do anything including refunding recrafting we will take care of you please give us an opportunity to do so before you leave us a bad review word of mouth is the best form of advertising always has been always will be so please tell your friends and family about that if you want to get a little something for doing that go to murdycreative.co in the bottom left hand corner there's a, a pop-up if you log into the website and you purchase anything and you're you know that pop-up you get five percent back as in-store credit that you can use on anything in our store but also, there's a shareable link there. If you share that link with your family, family and friends, they get $5 off their first purchase, and you get $5 of in-store credit. So it's a great way to share the company help us out. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send it my way. I'm always happy to talk about just about anything, and I want to give you guys what you're looking for. Uh, so just reach out via um, YouTube below if you want to read, uh, reach out to the YouTube content comments or send us an email. Uh, if you're looking for multiple binders, journals, folios, anything along those lines, uh, we do have bulk discounts built into our website, into the cart. So all you need to do is add whatever quantity you want. You can mix and match to your heart's desire. Once you add that quantity to the cart, uh, it'll automatically apply the bulk discount, and you can check out there with that bulk discount. Just to note, currently because of Christmas, any orders over 200 at this point are probably not going to arrive before Christmas. Any orders over 50 may not arrive either we're, we're still kind of working on exactly figuring out what our bandwidth is we've got orders coming in constantly so it's hard so if you're interested in a bulk order that's going to be kind of larger than 50 please 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 reach out to us as soon as possible uh we'll work with you on figuring out kind of what that timeline would be and if we can do it it's a little bit sometimes dependent on what the item actually is that's a big part of it and as well as a bunch of other things so definitely reach out to us with that if you've got more than that otherwise go ahead and place that order via the website if you're looking for a custom engraved item we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees, just a simple flat fee of $15, usually $15 per item, and that's before the bulk discount, so actually go down from there. We are still in process of getting the customizer built into the website. Uh, we're still setting that up, photographing, doing all of the, the back-end stuff to make that op operational. My hope is that it's operational tomorrow. It may not be operational until early next week. Um, that's still up in the air, but we'll, uh, we'll evaluate that when we get there. So hopefully the customizer will be available shortly, which means you would no longer need to contact us. You can just add your logo on the directly on the product page. You go to the product page, you click customize, you add your logo uh, to the product there, and you'll be able to check out. So hopefully that new process will be available very shortly. Otherwise, in the meantime, if it's not, feel free to reach out to us, S-A-L-E-S -E at MurdyCreative.co, sales at MurdyCreative.co. Uh, please include the image as well as which product you're looking for. We'll create a mock-up and a custom order link for you to purchase with. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.